I wanted something that was more community focused, focused on my community. I grew up here. I love Portland. And boy, did I get that. I, I don't think there is an issue in Portland that doesn't cross my desk. So one minute I'll be having a discussion, and this is the honest to God truth, about crow poop. And then the next call will be about major tax policy. They're all important. From the studios of Kink Radio, it's the Portland 50, a podcast series about the people who dreamt, built, and championed the innovation, growth, and uniqueness of Portland. The Portland 50 series is brought to you by Jaguar Land Rover Portland. One company, two iconic brands. Jaguar Land Rover Portland is Don Rasmussen Company, the legendary Portland institution serving our community since 1950. I'm your host, Peggy LaPointe. Today, I talk with Sandra McDonough, President and CEO of Portland Business Alliance. Sandra will retire in August after 13 years of running the PBA. If you look at our walls in the office, we have pictures of all the chamber chairs and their names that we know in Portland today, Corbett and Failing, and the people who are involved now have streets named after them. And they were people all men, um, who came together and said that business has a really important role in creating community. And they came together to support the development of this city. And that continued for many decades. It's fun to look at those pictures because you see people dressed in uniforms during war years and, and how they changed over the years. And then in 1978, we had um, some great leaders in our downtown, really phenomenal people, the Goodmans, the Marks, uh, Clayton Herring, people who we, we still have around today who said a healthy and vibrant downtown is important. Plus we have, believe it or not, a homeless issue that we've got to be addressing. And they started really when they were looking at creating what was called then the Association for Portland Progress, how they could address some of these things they were seeing and start programs to help homeless people find their ways um, into housing and into jobs. They created a homeless-to-work program that we still have today. Going back to the 1800s, I mean, Portland Business Alliance, a lot of what you do is help to nurture leaders within the community. Right. These are the leaders of the 1800s, early 1900s, and so on. And here we are in 2018, and right. that's what you're continuing to do. So the advocacy part of Portland Business Alliance is, you know, your group is the voice for uh, a lot of the businesses in the region. There are over 2,000 members. When you're talking to businesses, what are they talking to you about? Well, you know, the people who are in the businesses that make up our organization, they're, they're region-wide. So mm-hmm. we have members from all over the four-county region here in the Portland metro area, and then a lot of smaller businesses, particularly in the city of Portland. And the people who run them and work in them, thousands and thousands and thousands of employees, they live here. And so what they care about really are the same things that Portlanders as a whole um, care about because they, they live and work and are raising their kids here. We just did a a public opinion survey just a few weeks ago in which we went to Portlanders and we said, what are the issues that you care the most about? It was an open-ended question that went to registered voters um, in the Portland metro area. And their top concern was homelessness. Mm -hmm. 
Number two was traffic, transportation, particularly congestion. The third was housing affordability. Those rose to the top. It's interesting because we've seen issues wax and wane, and um, homelessness and housing affordability have really shot to the top, as has congestion, traffic congestion. We're hearing more and more about that. Now, if you look back historically, and when you were at TriMet, We've been working on that for decades. Uh, We've been working on on homelessness issues for decades, but making sure that we have a transportation system that serves its region, and particularly from our perspective, make sure people can get to work and um, safely, that's something that we have had top of mind for a long time. How many people filled out your survey? You know, it was a scientifically correct telephone survey. Mm -hmm. So it was done by DHM Research. And um, I know they have to make thousands of calls to get, I think it was about 650 registered voter. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's designed in a way that we make sure that we're representative of the population as a whole. So statistically, the right number of men, right number of women, right number from each age group, Democrat, Republican, independent. So it was a statistically correct survey. Mm -hmm. I would imagine that the uh, businesses that are looking to relocate here in the Portland area, and when you say four counties, Clackamas, Multnomah, Washington, and Clark, that's what I thought, uh, their concerns are probably the same as the folks from that survey. Absolutely. We hear a lot, um, get calls from businesses all the time when they're looking to locate here. And and they want to know, do their employees have the option of sending their kids to good schools? Can people get to work? They want to know what the tax situation is. And they want to know what the community as a whole is like. So we partner with Greater Portland, Inc., which is an economic development agency, to make sure that when we hear from those companies, we call them and we find out what they need to know and, and we get them their information. When it comes to the memberships, I did notice that Uh, a good portion of the memberships are from smaller businesses. This is true for chambers all over the country, and we are, at our heart, we're a a chamber of commerce. We're a large city chamber of commerce, so we approach things a little differently than some others, but about 80% of our members are small businesses, and we define small as 50 employees or fewer. Mm -hmm. So they're the cleaners and the storekeepers and the one person or two person accountant office. And um, they are, um, in a lot of ways, the heart and soul of business in this community. We also have many large businesses. And our larger businesses actually provide most of the financial underpinning that makes our organization healthy and viable. And they do it as a public service so they can make sure that we're advocating for business as a whole, small business, medium-sized business, and large. Because you have to have the small medium in order for the large to thrive as well. And vice versa. Right. Because a lot of the smaller businesses do business with the large businesses or they get customers who are employed by the larger business. And I think, in fact, if you look at where people work, a lot of them work in the larger business. So it's an ecosystem. You need large and small business. You need businesses that have do most of their work here in our region, but you also need businesses that trade outside of our region to bring new dollars in. So it's an ecosystem and it needs to be healthy on all fronts. When you're advocating, because you're advocating within each of the cities for the businesses, uh, local governments and and, and regional governments, are there ever any times uh, when you are trying to help the small businesses and the large businesses come together together 
for one sort of, you know, is there conflict that you have to help resolve in order to advocate for the Portland Business Alliance as a whole? And how do you go about that? Well, you know, we do it in a very careful way. I have a really large board. I have about 65 members on my Mm -hmm. board, and it works well. (laughs) There are days when I think, wow, that's a lot of people, but they show up. We have great conversations. And we build our board to be representative of the business community as a whole. So we have small business. We have large business. We have trade-based businesses, and we have businesses that do all of their work in Portland, suburban, urban, so that when we take a position, we know that we have had people who represent all kinds of business interests weigh into that Mm -hmm. decision before we make it. The other thing we do is in our leadership lineup, we make sure that we are um, diverse at the top there too. So one year we'll have a small business person chair the board, and the next year it might be somebody from a very large business. The other thing we do that I'm, I'm particularly proud of is we want to make sure that our board looks like our community. So as I said, we have very diverse set of businesses, and we also have a commitment to diversity, ethnic diversity, gender diversity, um, sexual preference, and we've written that into our bylaws to say that we will be representative of the community and make sure we have a diverse board. I actually used to be on the Portland Business Alliance Board before I I took this job. I was in the energy business for a long time, and I represented my company on the old chamber board and then on Portland Business Alliance. And I remember I was one of only a very few women that were on the board. So we've stepped in and we've said we're going to be more diverse, and we've built a board that represents the community. And then I I think you speak, you as the Portland Business Alliance can speak in a much uh, more authentic way. Absolutely. In, In a much more respected way. Absolutely. And I have to say, if they're listening, my board members are not um, shy, retiring people. They speak up and we sometimes have lively debates, but we like that. We want to have, make sure that we've really aired the issues and we bring in people who have different points of view. Sometimes we bring in people who we know won't agree with us so that we can hear their points of view so we can make a decision that is reflective of the broad board and the, the broad business community. What are some of the topics that you've taken to, say, the Oregon legislature in the past couple of years? Well, um, we are part of the Oregon Business Plan, Mm -hmm. and so we operate with our partner business organizations under the Oregon Business Plan. And I think the biggest issue and the one that's been the hardest for us is the fiscal integrity of the state. We know that we have costs drivers in the state that have been growing faster than revenue. And so we've tried to work with lawmakers on how they can bend that cost curve so that um, they're not growing as fast, they're still going to grow, and then they aren't exceeding revenue. So we don't have what we like to think of as a structural deficit. So we've said we want to work with you on cost control, particularly around PERS and, and other benefit costs that are um, high compared to counterparts across the country. And then let's look at revenue and let's talk about potentially more revenue that we can invest in programs that we all believe are necessary, including better education systems, K-12 and and post-secondary. We think we need to be making more targeted investments there. But we want to see cost control happen with the revenue because Mm -hmm. otherwise you're raising money to pay for 
problems that we know we have and we know that the money isn't going where we need it to go to get the results that we want. And I would imagine that differs quite a bit when you're speaking then with the more regional governments, whether it be metro or the different cities within the community. Right. Um, even though I will say that PERS is an issue that impacts everybody. Right. It's, uh, you talk to all of the local governments and um, uh, some of their big cost drivers are related to their employee benefit costs. So it's a statewide issue that inf- affects all levels of government. Yeah, we talk a lot to the city. I tell people I have one of the most interesting jobs on the face of the earth. When I took this job after being in a national energy company and I was all over the country and working on big energy issues, I wanted something that was more community focused, focused on my community. I grew up here. I love Portland. And boy, did I get that. I I don't think there is an issue in Portland that doesn't cross my desk. So one minute I'll be having a discussion, and this is the honest to God truth, about crow poop and then the next call (laughs) will be about major tax policy they're all important so we work on um just last week i had a discussion about um garbage collection downtown but across the city to clean up we're hearing a lot from people who are concerned about trash so how do we manage that by the way one of my absolute most favorite programs we have i mentioned that we have a homeless to work program. We operate downtown clean and safe on behalf Mm -hmm. of the clean and safe board. And we do security downtown and we also do cleaning and we contract with a phenomenal organization called um, Central City Concern. And they do our cleaning for them. And most of the people who are on our cleaning crew are formerly homeless people who have worked with Central City Concern to address some of their issues. And then the jobs they have with us are their first steps to employment. So we're very proud of that. So I hope when people see those cleaners downtown, they tell them thank you. They're doing a hard job and are making great progress. Oh, they're good ambassadors as well. They're phenomenal people and I love talking to them. I do too. I do too. And they do a great job. It's it's a never-ending job. Right. uh, But they do a great job downtown. Exactly. I want to ask you about then as far as advocacy we talked about, but uh, Portland Business Alliance also does Uh, endorsements. And I noticed uh, the latest endorsements were on your page. Right. You reach out to different candidates or do candidates come to you or maybe a little bit of both? Candidates come to us. I just had a call today from a candidate from city council and actually a couple of candidates who call me. They like to get our endorsement. Um, It's valuable to them. Mm -hmm. So what we do is we start with looking at all the races. We usually endorse just for candidates for office in the um, four-county region. So um, we look at local and legislative candidates for this region, and we'll start with what races do we want to endorse in. And then we look at the field of candidates. We like the field to be pretty set before we step in. And then we have interviews. We do a questionnaire, which are available online if people want to see what candidates say to us and the questions we ask them. It's at portlandalliance.com. And we use those questionnaires then to um, decide who we'll interview. And we bring the candidates in for an interview. Committee of members, this isn't decided by staff. I don't pick who we endorse. The committee will make an endorsement recommendation, and then that goes to our board. One thing we do is for any endorsement to happen, we have to have a two-thirds vote of the board members who are present at the meeting. That way, when we do an endorsement, we can say they have broad support from our organization and it's not close. 
I like that rule a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if we ever got to where it's 50-51 or something, it, it's just, it's not a strong statement. So we feel really confident about the endorsements we make. Do you ever take stands on different ballot measures? Yes, we do. Yeah. We um, take positions on local measures that impact the business community and our members and on statewide measures as well. And same thing, you invite folks in? Yeah, we bring in both sides. For example, in the last election, we were very engaged with the um, affordable housing bond. Mm -hmm. We work closely with Street Roots, which is a great organization. They do phenomenal work. And with the advocates and with city and county leaders on that, endorsed early, helped them raise money, and really believed in that. And we're really glad to see that because that bond pays for housing for the lowest income people. And these are people who really need to have government support in their housing. So we thought that was an area where we needed focus. um, And we supported that. I don't think we've ever met a school measure we didn't love. We've endorsed pretty much everything that's come out from Portland Public and many of the surrounding um, school districts because we have strong support for schools and then a variety of other measures. And occasionally we'll we'll endorse in a statewide measure Mm -hmm. race as well. I would imagine around things like health care and, and so forth. because we d- that Yeah. We didn't endorse in, in the um, 101. Right, the we had a lot of members involved in it, and so they were taking the lead on that. Um, we were very involved in Measure 97 mm-hmm. and um, another several other issues. But we look at them and we say, does this impact the business community? Do we bring something to the table that... Um, is different or that's necessary in this particular one, and um, will we be helpful? So, mm-hmm. and and do we have members who are actively engaged, asking us to be engaged mm-hmm. in it as well? I'm always amazed at the thoughtful conversation um, of our board, and they look at not just what impacts bottom line for business, but also what's important to their employees. Mm -hmm. What do the people who work for them care about? And that gets us into some issues that I think are um, sometimes a little into the more social realm. For example, I think we were the first business organization to endorse gay marriage. We did that because our our member organizations were hearing from their employees that that was important to them. So we said, okay, we will endorse in that. You're listening to King's Portland 50 series. I'll continue my conversation with Sandra McDonough in a moment, but I wanted to thank our sponsor. The Portland 50 series is presented by Jaguar Land Rover Portland. One company, two iconic brands. Jaguar Land Rover Portland is a Don Rasmussen company, the legendary Portland institution serving our community since 1950. Now back to my conversation with Sandra McDonough, president and CEO of Portland Business Alliance. I mentioned earlier that I worked with TriMet, so I know that you right. work with TriMet for a different things. Yeah. And you also, Street Roots, you help support them, and Central City Concern. But are there any other groups? I would have to imagine the uh, tourist industry you probably work pretty closely with. What other organizations? Oh, gosh, we have a lot of partners. And I think when you're an organization like ours, um, you have to understand that you have strength in your partnerships. Mm-hmm. And we can't be in charge and driving every single thing that's out there. So sometimes we take the lead. Sometimes we partner with others that take the lead. Sometimes we get calls from our partners saying, can you help us out? So transportation, we work a lot, as you said, with Tri- TriMet, 
Port of Portland is an important partner. We work with the state Department of Transportation in the city, and um, we we want investment in our transportation system. And um, I, we have an, I'm glad you mentioned TriMet. We have an incredibly strong partnership with them. Um, I've worked with them on all the rail lines and the bus lines. And you know from working there that we sit with them and really talk about what's going to work, what the right placement is, um, how to pay for it. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, I don't think, understand that the biggest part of TriMet um, funding actually comes from businesses through the payroll tax, and we actually worked with them to increase the payroll tax some years ago. Um, we work with other nonprofits. Central City Concern is a phenomenal nonprofit, a f- great partner of ours. We work with Transition Projects, mm-hmm. New Avenues for Youth, Join, uh, particularly on the homeless issue. I talk to those folks every week, and every chance I get, I, I want to say, I hope Portlanders support those organizations um, in what they tell their friends, occasionally get out their checkbook, because those folks are on the front line doing the really hard work. You know, a partnership we have that I think a lot of people don't always see is with our elected officials. Mm -hmm. I'll go and sit down with the mayor or the county chair or when the council people or the governor or whoever and say, um, what is your agenda? And how do we intersect on what we want? And how can we work together to make something happen? And we do that a lot. We, I think we have a phenomenal partnership with Mayor Wheeler. And um, I was just talking to Nick Fish last week, commissioner. Great partnership with him, I had Deborah Kafori. Um, in fact, I'd, the county chair, Chair Kafori, and Mayor Wheeler have done incredible work on the homeless issue recently. They don't get enough credit for that. They've added about 750 new emergency beds. We had a huge need for more emergency beds. People were sleeping outside because there really was no place for people to go. And we've worked closely with them and tried to support them on that in every way. But um, those are the kind of partnerships that make us successful. What I believe is you always look for a place to work with people, and, mm-hmm. and you're much more productive when you do that. You know, we all see it. You don't have to be downtown to see it. You can be in any part of the community, any part of the four-county region to see it. And I have to imagine that definitely is one of the biggest concerns. Homelessness? Yeah. Yeah. When I started in this job 14 years ago, it was almost the first issue I worked on. <laughs> and it's been interesting to see the thinking evolve. And I'm going to just be honest and say when I first started the job with a lot of my members, it was all about people are sitting on the sidewalks, we've got to get them to move. And and there still is a lot of concern about livability. We talked about um, seeing a lot of used needles downtown and trash and things that are concerning. But what I now hear from people overwhelmingly is we need to find human solutions. We need to find places for people to sleep. We need to help the mentally ill people. We have to address the opioid um, crisis, which is really impacting our homeless situation in a big way. So I think where we are is we believe in leading with compassion. And then what you just said is also very true. There was a huge turning point a few years ago when the homeless issue wasn't just suddenly wasn't just a downtown issue. It was neighborhoods all over the city. I We got calls from people all over who had a camp in their park or they had something on their street, you know, the Lentz neighborhood 
with the issues on on the in the spring water corridor were huge and went on for a long time so we were hearing more and more from people who were saying there must be a solution and i believe portlanders lead with compassion i really think that's what they want they want people to have a safe place to sleep and they want the parks and the sidewalks safe for their kids. They mm-hmm. want the livability issues right. addressed. So they want both sides of the equation. It's really important not to equate them. Helping homeless people is, is something that needs to happen, and we can't say that all of the livability issues are just caused by homeless people because I don't think that's the case. But we need both of them addressed. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that goes hand-in-hand hand with the housing affordability, right. rent, and that sort of thing. Yeah. It's a multi-prong solution. We just did a report. Um, we released it last week. There we do an annual look at the Portland economy. And a couple of things we found this year were really interesting. We've done it for about nine years now. We looked at the population growth, and we know that Portland is a huge attractor for new people. More than 100 people a day move here. So we saw real growth in population. Mm-hmm. We saw growth in jobs. We've brought back... Um, some years ago, we started bringing back more jobs than we had more jobs than we had before the recession, so we recovered the jobs. We also saw that housing supply has not kept up with the growth of population. So that is such a huge driver in pricing right now. We've really got to get more supply and more supply for all segments of the market. And I would say particularly the middle, the family housing, the middle income housing, um, we, we need more of that and we need it to be broad-based. Another thing we, we've been looking at in the last couple of years is what's happening to household incomes. At, like every other part of the country, it took a long time for incomes to start recovering, household incomes to start recovering after the recession. So we saw the first real increase, I think, a year ago. Mm-hmm. And this year we saw household incomes go up as well. In fact, we're growing faster than other regions that mm-hmm. we compare ourselves to. But the prosperity is not equally shared. And um, we've broken it down by ethnic groups. And what we're finding is that African-American households and Latino households in particular, their incomes are not keeping up. They're quite a bit less than Caucasian households and Asian households. Um, we also know that Native American household incomes are, are down. It's too small of a population for us to have measured in this. But we're talking more about how do we make sure that all of the opportunity that we've created in this great economy that we're seeing in Portland, how do we make sure that's shared more broadly in our community? Yeah. I want to touch on some of the programs that Portland Business Alliance is involved in. And there were a couple that stood out in my mind that are fascinating to me. Uh, There's a lot of information on your website about it. The Leadership Portland one uh, was interesting. Business leaders get a look at the issues in the region and they give back. So they complete this team-based community project, impact project. And there is, look like three dozen or so folks in this every year. Is that Right. right? Right. Uh, what are some of these projects that they've worked on? Well, I'm glad you raised Leadership Portland. It's a phenomenal yeah. program that brings together a very diverse group mm-hmm. of sort of mid-level business people. They're not new to their careers. They've usually been at it for some years. And their employers have said, I want to invest in these people and I want to give them a broader look at 
what the community is. So they learn about public safety and the arts and how government works and just have a year-long education. Part of the program also is how do you work with others? How do you build um, consensus around a project? So they get to pick a project, they get put in a team, and they pick a project that they work on over the years. So they've done a lot of different nonprofits all over the, the city. They've worked with youth-serving nonprofits. Um, they did a project for the Crime Commission. So it's a really wide variety of nonprofits that they then go in, and I, I go every year to where they make a presentation, and I, it's a wide variety. Like there, there are some nonprofits that are, they tend to be smaller, mm-hmm. and they need need some assistance and so they they will say we need a marketing plan so we've got people in leadership portland who are experts on building marketing plans so they go and sit with the nonprofit, and it'll actually help them do a marketing plan or they need to um, work on sort of employee relations so they will coach them on that and help them work with that so it's a great program and they Everybody has fun. And there's so much benefit to it right. on all sides. Right. And uh, in this program, you're building the leaders of tomorrow. And it's, today, in, in many respects, since they're mid-level right. uh, career folks. And they stay connected. Mm-hmm. So, the, in fact, we have a phenomenal Leadership Portland alumni network where they all stay connected. And they get in touch. So if they're working on a project in their company and they need some help, they'll pick up the phone and call somebody they met with leadership through Leadership Portland, or maybe it was somebody who was in it a few years before them, but they have permission to um, call those folks. So it's really a way of building the connectivity that creates community and, and moves it forward. And, you know, sometimes the people move around in their careers as well, so it's fun to see them out there. One of my old chairs, uh, my chair from two years ago, a guy named Mitch Horniker, was actually a Leadership Portland participant in the very first year of the class. So we pull them back into the Alliance and get them to volunteer with us as well. Oh, that's awesome. That one impressed me. And then the other one that I really liked was the Public Service Training Program. Right. Uh, and this is for folks who are interested in serving on government boards or commissions or even running for public office. Right. So a, a number of different ways that the Portland Business Alliance is really helping to build these future leaders. Absolutely. And that one, um, we decided that we wanted to create a, uh, an opportunity for us mm-hmm. to interact with people who are thinking about um, being on a major state board or commission or city commission or run for office and create a relationship and help them understand what they need to do to make that happen. So um, that's a smaller class. That's Mm -hmm. usually about six or eight people, and they come in. um, We have a selection process, and we'll bring over the people who build the city budget and say, Mm -hmm. here's how a budget works. Here's how it gets put together. Mm -hmm. Um, We bring in folks who've run for office, current or former elected officials, and they say, here's how you build a campaign or someone who serves on a major commission, and they'll say, here's how you get involved. And when you do that, you need to know what the time commission is like. We talk to them much more Mm in-depth about all the different issues facing the community. They love it, and we love the relationship because then we know these people, 
and we have the opportunity to stay connected with them over the years. And work together to help. Exactly. Get stronger. Can I mention another program that I like? We have lots of great programs, but we talked about small business before. Mm -hmm. We spent a lot of time saying, what can we do for our small business members that's beneficial to them and kind of sets us apart? Because most small business people are so busy running their businesses that they don't have time to come and sit yeah. in a bunch of meetings. We hear a lot from our members who need, a, you know, need us to help them with a particular issue or they have a question. But what we heard from our members is that a lot of them are still building their businesses and they need some assistance on how they do that. So we actually partner with Portland Community College's Small Business Development Center mm -hmm. and Bank of America helps us pay for this. And we scholarship 12 small business people every year mm. to the Small Business Development Center. It's a very um, tailored program for each person. So you might have one person who needs help building a long-term strategic plan. Somebody else may need help on getting their finances under control. Mm. So we really help them with this training, hone in on what they need in their business. We pick businesses that are capable of adding employees. Um, so we look at what they've done, we get lots of applicants and can only pick 12. Over the years, the businesses that have been scholarships, it's a big variety of businesses from a, a coffee shop to a business that exports goods. Um, they've added a number of employees and grown their revenues. And we like to think that we've helped them with that. It's a, it's a great program, I love it. That is a good program, Joe, yeah. I'm glad you brought that one up. I want to ask you one more thing. You are set to retire after 14 years. You're probably already having discussions with Portland Business Alliance, with your group, your core group, about future challenges for Portland Business Alliance and the, and the community. We've talked about homelessness and we've talked about housing. What other challenges do you think this area is going to be facing as far as how it affects Portland Business Alliance and moving forward? You know, I was... I was born and raised in Portland. I love it here. Um, I've lived in other places, but I came back in the early 90s because I wanted to have a family, and this is where I wanted to raise my family. And I've seen Portland grow a lot um, since I grew up across the street from Woodstock Park. I've seen a lot of changes, all for the good. I mean, mm -hmm. we're a community. People talk a lot about people moving here from other places. My parents moved here from Iowa. They got in their car, packed up, and did, they didn't have a job. They just wanted to be here. I think Portland now is at a moment that's very defining. I've always described us in a way as an overgrown small town. People know each other. That's how I describe Portland, it's, a big small town. It's a big small yes. town. Um, we've got our wonderful neighborhood feel. Um, we know each other. We have a very high level of commitment to this community. But we're at the cusp of moving to being more of a global city. We are a global city. So how we evolve to that, bring people along, maintain what we love and hold dear about Portland, but also understand that there, there have to be some changes. Mm -hmm. um, if we want to have um, higher density, that means we've got to build housing in a different way and make sure that we have room for people to live and in places that they can afford to live. So um, we've got to be bringing in different kinds of thinking. We've got to be open broadly to all kinds of thinking to be a true um, 
global city. I think we are a global city, and I think that how we make that transition is going to be um, very important to what we are in the future. It definitely is. We And you described it, how I've been feeling. We are on the cusp right. of something, what it is. It's exciting. What, it is exciting. Nerve-wracking. Change is hard. I've seen it. I'm old enough to have seen it more than once. Right. I remember the 70s when um, we had leadership who said, we need to think about transportation differently. We need to not just build new highways. Mm-hmm. We need to build rail that that moves differently. We need to think about our downtown differently. We need to be open for the growth of a whole new industry on the west side of town. And we have that now with the semiconductor industry and Intel. We've gone through transitions. We weather them very well. Um, we're welcoming to new people. So it's how do we how do we balance the new, make sure that we still value our heritage, mm-hmm. but be open to what the future is and to make sure that as we create opportunity it's for everybody and that we aren't just benefiting the few I think as as I said earlier um, we've looked at incomes we've looked at where people live and we have to understand that we are creating a community where we're pushing people who have less opportunity less access to good incomes we're pushing them further and further out so we it's time to say are we going to be San Francisco, where you have to be very rich to live in the city, or are we going to be something else? And how do we create that opportunity? So I think we can do it. I think we have great leadership, um, but we've got to keep the vision of what we want Portland to be. What What is 21st century Portland really like? We have to keep that in front of us. Thank you so much for coming in today. I know that things are coming across your desk multiple times a day, but I really enjoyed getting some insight from you on how Portland might look in the future. Hopefully. This was fun. I really enjoyed it. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you for joining me for my conversation with Sandra McDonough. If you've missed any of the previous podcasts, you can find them at our website, kink.fm. The Portland 50 is a podcast series celebrating kink's 50th anniversary, and it's about the people who dreamt, built, and championed the innovation, growth, and uniqueness of Portland. The series is presented by Jaguar Land Rover Portland, one company, two iconic brands. Jaguar Land Rover Portland is a Don Rasmussen company, the legendary Portland institution serving our community since 1950.